Welcome back to the Game Masters Academy. This is the show where we try to make every one of your sessions great. My name is Greg. Thank you for joining me. A couple quick announcements before we get started with anything here. I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, this is coming out a couple days after Christmas, but it is technically Monday's episode. Um, obviously running a little bit behind due to the holiday season in spirit. I appreciate your patience and will be getting caught up here very soon. As I've said before a couple different times, I do have a Patreon for anybody that's interested in joining. I will be doing uh, little bits and pieces of uh, additional shops, NPCs, monsters, things along those lines for the World Builder series. So if you are looking for some additional monsters to add to your game or different things to build out some of the world builder ideas, uh, feel free to come on by, check it out. Um, Even if it's just for the free subscription, um, it is completely an option that's there. I'll be using that as a way to um, read comments uh, if anybody has any questions, things along those lines. That is absolutely the location for that. With that out of the way, I want to get back to something that we've already touched base on once, and that is going to be commonly misused spells. Um, This is going to be part two. Uh, We're probably going to go all the way up. This is cantrips and first level spells, but we're probably going to end up going all the way up to about, I don't know, probably third or maybe fourth level spells. Uh, just because those are the ones that are the most common, so there's the highest chance for them to be used incorrectly. Um, And so we're going to start off looking at Booming Blade and or Green Flame Blade. Uh, They both basically work the same way as far as um, the way that they're cast and or used. So, Booming Blade is a one action to cast. It's a cantrip. Um, It is a range of self and then has some uh, unique components. We look down at it, you have to have a melee weapon worth at least one silver piece. You cannot pick up some random tree branch and then start using Booming Blade with it. Uh, You brandish the weapon. This is the spell's description. You, uh, You brandish the weapon used in the spell's casting and make a melee attack with it against one creature within five feet of you. On a hit, the target suffers the weapon's attack's normal effects and then becomes sheathed in booming energy until the start of your next turn. If the target willingly moves five feet or more before then, the target takes an additional 1d8 damage, uh, thunder damage, and the spell ends, and then it scales. And so, um, like most cantrips, but this one at fifth level, the initial attack now does an additional d8, and the movement does 2d8. And then at 11th, it's 2d8 and 3. 17th, it's 3d8 and 4. So where this is typically going to be misused is a couple of different things. Um, and Green Flame Blade is the exact same way. But um, a couple things. First and foremost, in order to do this, uh, I should say when we do this, you're casting the spell, but you're using your physical attributes to make the attack. So if your dexterity is only a 12 and you have plus one and your proficiency bonus, but your intelligence is a 20 with a plus five, 
you do not get to use your intelligence modifier to make your attack. You basically cast a spell which enchants your weapon, and then as part of that spell, you're able to make one melee attack. You're not making a spell attack. You're not making a ranged spell attack. You're also not making a melee attack with your spell casting modifier. So that's where the first issue can potentially come up. So this is great on a potential non-focused uh, casting class. So let's say you're a, a warrior. Um, Eldritch Knight is the first thing that jumps out at me. That has a really high strength. You have an, uh, 20 in your strength and you have a 13 in your uh, intelligence. Well, you can cast Booming Blade and gain all of the benefits of your strength-based melee attack. So that's the first thing. The second thing that happens is when you cast this spell and utilize it, you're not taking the attack action. You're taking the cast a spell action that allows you to then make an attack. And the reason that that's important is because when we look at a couple of different uh, features that are out there... Um, they rely on you to take the attack action to utilize. For example, two-weapon fighting. The very first line is when you take the attack action and attack with a light melee weapon that you're holding in one hand, you can use a bonus action to attack, blah, 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 blah. But again, we didn't take the attack action. We cast a spell. So two-weapon fighting does not qualify as an option to utilize when you cast Booming Blade or Green Flame Blade. Not only that, but Extra Attack also is specific to when you take the attack action, you can make two attacks um, with that action. And so we didn't take the attack action, we took the cast a spell action, which means that extra attack does not work either. And so where things kind of get tricky is when you are an Eldritch Knight, I believe it's level 7, you gain the ability to use a... Uh, if When you cast a cantrip, you can then take a bonus action to attack. And so that means that you can do basically the equivalence of two attacks... And so where it gets tricky for the Eldritch Knight is at level 11, where they would get extra, extra attack. And now they have to decide, do I make three attacks or do I make one attack with 2d8 extra damage plus the effect of movement and then an additional attack afterwards? And so that's the, I guess the easiest way to say it would be the conundrum. Uh, and an exception to this is the uh, Blade Singing Wizards, uh, the way that their uh, situation is worded, where they can cast a cantrip as well as make the attack, is they actually are taking the attack action. So they take the attack action, and then they're able to utilize the uh, cast a spell action to cast a cantrip when they take the attack. Um, that's one of their uh, high-level, or not high-level, but their cornerstone-type features for a Blade Singer. And so that's the only opportunity that you would have to use two-weapon fighting and or extra attack when utilizing Booming Blade 
or green flame blade. Next, let's talk about Charm Person and all of its iterations. Uh, obviously, also with Friends, the cantrip, um, falling into the same idea. And a lot of enchantment and illusion spells are going to fall into this same type of category. Uh, but Charm Person has one action to cast, range of 30 feet. It has a verbal and a somatic component. It lasts for one hour, and the target is charmed. It basically says you attempt to charm a humanoid you can see within range. It must make a wisdom saving throw and does so with advantage if you or your companions are fighting it. If it fails the saving throw, it is charmed by you until the spell ends or until you or your companions do something harmful to it. Charmed creature regards you as a friendly acquaintance. When the spell ends, the creature knows it was charmed by you. So let's first take a look at the charmed condition. Uh, charmed uh, basically means that you cannot attack the charmer uh, or the target the charmer with harmful abilities or magic effects. And then the charmer has advantage on any ability check to interact socially with the creature. So that's all that charmed does. But there's a couple things here. First and foremost, in order to cast this spell, you've got to say a whole bunch of wizardy, mumbly, jumbly, garbly gook, because it has a verbal, verbal uh, component. Second, you have to wave your hands around like you're doing the Macarena, because it has a somatic component. So walking in, and from across the room, charming some dude you need information out of, you literally said gibberish and then did the Macarena for six seconds before he was charmed, you're going to create hostility and raise the alarm of everybody else around because they don't know what you're casting until it's done. They just know that you're casting magic. And typically when you're in a dicey situation and you're just wandering around slinging magic around, you're going to put people on alert. So that's the first thing that we need to make sure that we're thinking about. We don't just get to say, I shook your hand, charm person, and then nobody knows that it happened. That's that's not how the spell works. The next thing that we want to talk about is there's no way in the spell, it gives no information, and so there's no indication whether the spell worked or not. So if you're going to cast the spell from 30 feet away in a crowd where you could potentially mask the components for that spell, you don't know if it worked. And it says when the spell ends, so this isn't if it fails, but it's just if the spell ends, the creature knows it was charmed by you, and so you have an hour, obviously, to get away from them. But the point here is, you do not gain the ability to just walk around and willy-nilly charm people with charm person and have no repercussions. Subtle uh, subtle spell is a metamagic, um, I guess, a metamagic choice that you can make. Um, if you're a sorcerer, so that way you could potentially cast this type of spell without having any of the components that go with it. And so that's the only true way that you would be able to hiddenly or disguised cast Charm Person. Friends works the exact same way. 
But it specifically says not only do they know if you fail, but they become hostile uh, once that it's either over or once or if they resist. So you're going to automatically trigger that if you use friends. And so something that I see a lot of times is we, we try to cast charm person in a scenario where it would alert a bunch of people. You're trying to talk to the king and you then try to charm the king. His bodyguards are going to stab you before you finish your six seconds of Macarena dancing. And so we need to make sure that we are ruling that appropriately to make sure that the spell has the power level that it is designed to have. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Next is going to be Comprehend Languages. So, Comprehend Languages is a divination spell. It lasts for one hour, has verbal, somatic, and material components, but can be cast as a ritual. Uh, and so, again, as a ritual, it takes 10 minutes of Macarena and gibberish and um, a pinch of soot and salt to be able to pull off this spell. Uh, one of the things that happens a lot with it, and this is something I am extremely guilty of, is using this as a way to communicate. It's one-way communication. You can comprehend, un you can understand the literal meaning of any spoken language you hear, and you also understand any language that's written that you can see, but you have to be able to touch the surface to be able to pull it off. Nowhere does it say that it gives you the ability to speak the language that you understood. Someone walks up to you, they speak to you in goblin. If you have comprehend language, you understand what it said, but you wouldn't just magically gain the ability to speak goblin. That is an entirely different spell called tongues. So we want to make sure that we're utilizing this correctly. Not only that, but uh, the caveat for the written languages is that you have to be able to touch the actual writing to then gain the benefit of the uh, ability to understand. Next is Guidance. Guidance is a great cantrip. Uh, it lasts for one minute. It does require your concentration. And basically, when you cast it on yourself or somebody else, they're able to add one D4 to the next skill check they make. And so... The issue comes up where we try to prep guidance ahead of time on every skill check we take. It, that's, it doesn't work. Obviously, in order to do something, you have to know that you need to do it. So as a DM, if I am trying to see if your character remembers something that they saw, that doesn't qualify for guidance. 
There's no way that I could say, hey, roll me an intelligence check and let's see if you can remember some details of something that happened, like if your character would, um, that happened before. And then somebody else is like, oh, guidance. No, that no, there's there's no way that you could be like, I'm trying to remember something. So please enhance my ability to do this. Like you're, you're getting the opportunity to remember because that's how it works. It's just a spur of the moment type of a memory. Uh, also, you need to be able to, you, you know, basically have to have six seconds to cast the spell. It takes an action. And so if I need you to make a, I don't know, a perception or a stealth check or there's something where the time matters uh, an individual ran by you really, really fast. And so I need you to make a perception check to see if you can check the color of the hair or if you can check their clothing and see what they look like. You don't have the ability to rewind time, six seconds, cast guidance, and then use guidance on your perception uh, check. Guidance is designed for premeditated skill checks. The rogue is about to go and unlock a lock. They would then gain guidance on that because, well, I shouldn't say they would gain guidance, but that is absolutely something that you can premeditatively plan on doing and therefore guidance applies. The barbarian is slowly approaching this wild animal and he's going to do an uh, animal handling check. Absolutely guidance would apply here. Things that it doesn't work are, like I said, when there's a time component to it. And if there's a time component to it, that means that you've already lost the chance to cast Guidance because you didn't know you needed to until it, the event happened. So it's just something that we need to make sure that we're being conscious of so that way we do not turn a cantrip into a overly powerful spell that is going to be utilized all the time every time someone tries to make a skill check. It's just not the way it's designed. Next up, let's take a look at Message. Message is a transmutation spell. It takes one action. It is a cantrip, and it requires verbal, somatic, and material components. Those material components are a short piece of copper wire. It lasts for one round. It's basically just a message that you send to somebody else for a range of 120 feet. Most of what's actually said and how things work with it are fine. The problem that we get with message is if I go to ha send a message to somebody else and we're in a space, I still have to do six seconds of the Macarena and then say a bunch of wizardly garbly gook to get the spell to work. Sure, once I've cast the spell, I point my finger at a creature and whisper a message and only the target hears it. But I still have to cast the spell to get to that part of it. And so using message in a way that is designed uh, or requiring stealth or subtly is not possible. And so that's the biggest issue when we use message on how it could potentially be used wrong. Not so much that we're saying the wrong thing, but just that we allow a message spell to be cast in a situation where casting a spell of any kind would cause hostility to be basically reciprocated 
because you don't know what the person's casting. Sure, they're casting message, but to everybody else, it literally could have been a fireball and nobody has a way of knowing ahead of time. And we will finalize this particular episode with our last one, and that is Paladin Smite Spells. So the biggest issue that I see with Paladin Smite Spells is that we try to use them the same way that we use Divine Smite. We roll, we hit, we do damage, and then we say, Branding Smite. And that is not at all how that spell is supposed to work. All of these smite spells that paladins and clerics get are designed as a pre-cast. And so what you do is you cast the spell, you then make your attacks. If you hit, the spells are triggered, and then they do their effect. If you don't hit, you are now concentrating on a spell and you basically are allowed to concentrate on that spell for the duration. Most of them last for one minute. And the the wording in the spell says the next time you hit a creature. And so you're concentrating on that spell until the next time you hit a creature. And that means that if you get hit, you have to roll const, uh, concentration saves. And there's a chance that you could just lose the spell. And so for a half caster, especially at lower levels... When you're level 4, you've only got 3 spell slots. And so, casting a Paladin Smite spell and having the potential for you to lose it uh, and have it do nothing, when instead you could have just struck uh, an enemy and then cast... uh, I shouldn't say cast, and then used Divine Smite. Uh, It seems... To me personally, it seems like a waste of resources. Obviously, they have their... Uh, their their place. They have their opportunities that they can be utilized and they can be utilized effectively if you have buffs, if the creature has debuffs or is paralyzed, things along those lines to really do some nice burst damage. But we need to remember that we have to cast the spell before we make our attack. And that means that we could miss and now we're concentrating on a spell that we could lose and that would lose one of our precious, as a paladin, it would lose one of our precious smite sp- uh, slots. And yes, I did just call the spell slots smite slots because that's what I do with my paladin every time I play one. Is I only smite. And maybe every once in a while we'll cast ceremony. But that's neither here nor there. So that is the way that we are supposed to utilize paladin smite spells. Cast first. Held on concentration until the first hit, and could potentially waste our precious resources. And that is it. So those are our commonly misused spells. Um, The School of Illusion kind of falls in with the same idea as the School of Enchantment. Uh, It's an honorable mention here. Illusion spells don't work if you can see the caster casting them like if i'm watching somebody build the illusion i'm not going to be like oh my gosh that's real uh so it's just one of those things that we need to make sure that we're conscious of that as well 
So that's this week's episode. Um, if you guys are wanting to have an opportunity to reach out to me and chat, join Patreon. Uh, it's free. Obviously, there's plenty of different tiers that you can look at as well. Um, also, feel free to join me on Discord for the, the server that I help uh, as a moderator for. We'd love to have you come hang out with us and uh, play some D&D. Uh, if you're looking to DM... Uh, that is a great place to do that as well. Obviously, we want to give you an opportunity to kind of meet everybody before you just start trying to take over some stuff. Um, but that is definitely something that's available. We have an open DM policy. So come hang out. We would love to have you. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Um, please follow, subscribe, like, write a review. Anything that you can do uh, helps immensely with the, the algorithms for all of the different podcast and YouTube platforms. Um, I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week, and as always, let's let the dice decide.